Hey there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and today I'm really excited to get to be here with Leanne Roselle, author of the book, Praying for That Man, A Love Story from Above. Leanne, thank you so much for being here to talk with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, before we get into your story, which is, I loved it. I just loved it so much. Um, We like to ask our guests what your favorite prayer closet is. Where do you go to feel close to God? Yeah, so I have, I think, kind of a unique prayer closet in the fact that I like going into my garage. So that's one of that was my go-to. That was my prayer closet for so long. I've never heard anyone else that lo- that had a garage prayer closet. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yep. That's it. That is great. So what do you like about your garage? What about it brings you solace and connection? Well, I think part of it is that I'm away from the regular house and distractions because um, mm-hmm. whether I'm in my closet or bedroom or around the, um, there's always something that I can look at and see and go, Oh, I need to do laundry. Oh, I need to put this away. Oh, I've got to put that on the calendar. And I feel like when I get into the garage, even though there still can be things that run through my mind, it's fewer distractions. And I feel like it's, it's more of a solitude time with me and the Lord. Oh, I totally agree. I, when it started for me was when, uh, Cause we haven't, we, I guess in a couple of houses, we've had a garage, but here in Anchorage, this house was the place where it became my prayer closet. And it was, I had, you know, two kids under the age of three and then an older one. And I think it was just as kind of an introvert that, um, just constant interaction as much as I loved it. And as much as I loved my kids, it was a lot of, um, uh, what would you call it? Sensory overload. And so the garage, I just remember taking the trash into the garage to the dumpster one day and the door closed behind me and it was, and it was dark and it was cool. And it was, it was just so peaceful. And I just was like, I want to talk to God here. (laughs) I feel like I can, I had the white space in my brain to be able to just be still. And, and just like you, I, you know, there are always triggers around the house for things to be doing. And yeah. Oh, I love the garage. It's, it's sort of not been as much of my prayer closet lately. I kind of find it shifting to different places, but, um, but yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I I love that, that we have that in common because I I've never heard anyone else pick the garage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your book is just, it's a beautiful love story. And um, I mean, the title of it, Praying for That Man, A Love Story from Above, just kind of sums it up. But um, I want to talk first about the cover. And mm. that just was so sweet, just the story of the cover with the girl with the umbrella. Can you talk about that and the significance of that cover? Yes. Yeah, so I heard this story a um, long time ago, just about a prayer meeting that happened. um, And I think that this, I don't think it's a real story, though it could be, um, that there was a prayer meeting that this whole community was getting together to pray for rain. And so everyone shows up at the church to pray. um, But there's this one girl in the front of the room who brings her red umbrella. And so she came not just to pray, but expecting God to answer And so I have held on to that and love that story and wanted to be that girl for as long as I can remember that I want to pray and be an expectant prayer and prayer (laughs) and just knowing also that God does answer prayer and, and not just praying and asking, Oh God, will you, um, you know, pray for rain for the garden or something, but then thinking, okay, let's, Let's expect him to actually answer that. So that's kind of the story about the girl with the red umbrella. I love that. And I just, I love the fact that it is, um, I don't know, it just kind of gives us this picture of possibility. And I think that that, I don't know, that just, that really resonates with kind of some themes in your book. And before we get into later on, I was going to ask you about this, but I just think it's very cool that you actually, at one point in your life, prayed for rain. Yeah. Can you share that story? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it was one of those 
times in college and um, I won't get into all the details, but basically I knew if it rained the next day that activities would be canceled so that I could get things done and I was just feeling overloaded. And so I said, you know, praying for actual rain is interesting because I would say, I know, Lord, you control the winds and the waves like that's in your scripture. And I know you control the atmosphere. And so you do control rain. But when you pray for rain, it's going to affect everyone around you. And so it seems like a really big ask to, to pray for something like that. But I thought, why not? Because the, the praying for rain, the thing that I, I think about when you pray for something that big, I mean, whether it's, um, that someone that you love gets well from, from sickness or whatever, you're praying for something, God to move, right. To enter Mm -hmm. this world and move. But what I'm not saying when I pray for rain or any, any of my prayers throughout my book is it's a name it and claim it. You know, we're not saying that God's doing my will. What Mm -hmm. I'm praying is, is God, if it is your will that it could rain, then let it pour. Um, cause that would be awesome. Um, so I just wanted to be clear on that, that yes, I did pray for rain and yes, the Lord actually made it rain and I rejoiced in it. Um, but I just felt like, oh, praise God that you're getting the glory for this and that it lined up with, with what your will was for that day. I love that because you really, you, you made a very big point in the book to, to preface it with what you were thinking. And you were thinking, this is a big ask. This affects lots of people. And I'm very aware that there could be someone somewhere praying for it not to rain for something that they had planned, but you didn't just pray for rain. You specifically said, God, please let it not rain in the morning when I have classes. I did say that. And then when I needed to rain, let it rain. And I mean, it was a bold prayer, but you really approached it with such humility and no one would read that and come away thinking, well, if I pray for rain and it doesn't rain, then God's not real. I mean, that's oh. not, and, and it, it did not in any way come across as the name it and claim it. It was God, I'm your child. And I know that you can do anything. If you could possibly make this happen, I know you can. And yeah. so I just, that was, that was amazing. That was a great story and faith building. Um, but this story, so it is, it's more than just a love story recounting how you met and married your husband, um, which that's a big part of it. Um, but it reads as a love story with God, I feel like, and it just chronicles from like the, I love that you begin at the beginning in your childhood and how your relationship with God evolved over time through trials, through frustrations, through failures, and, and just how you learn to trust him with your story. And so, you know, as kind of someone looking at, at things through the lens of prayer, you just have so many amazing examples of powerful prayer in this book. Now, I don't want to spoil it for anyone that's going to read the book about the name of your husband, they could Google it, but I didn't on purpose. And so I was able to kind of be surprised and see how that story unfolded. But I want, I, I want to focus on um, first this idea of confession. You have these several examples in your book of confession. And one of the first experiences that you had with confession is the story about the hair curlers and, you know, the responses that you got when you confessed to both your friend and your parents. Could you share that and kind of what that experience was and how that affected you and your, your view of confessing sin. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as a, as a child, so I was probably around eight when I did this, those like pink sponge hair curlers. I know those curlers. Well, yes, (laughs) you'd sleep on them. Mm -hmm. Um, So those curlers, I got scissors and I just started cutting them. And I really think that I wasn't thinking But once they were cut, then I knew I couldn't put them back together. So, and as a child, you also are not sure how much do things cost? 
And so you don't know, like if they're $5 or they're $500, there's just no, I didn't quite grasp their value. Mm -hmm. And so I was scared of um, telling my mom. And so I did bury them in the trash. And so that's the thing about um, not confessing though. Like that's one point I was wanting to get across too in my book was when you don't, you try to keep things in the dark. Um, really that's when, um, it gets worse. And when I think you can get attacked from, um, from this, from this evil environment around Mm -hmm. us. And, and so I decided as, you know, this, this little girl that instead of confessing to my mom, um, I would tell my friend, um, and, and that that would be a safe place, but instead of instead of her taking it and, and really she didn't have the bandwidth to forgive me of anything. Cause it wasn't her curlers, but, and she was a young girl. She sort of used it to blackmail me. And so it started actually, which was not in the book, but with little tasks she would have me do. Oh. And so I would do a task and then she would have me do something else. And and, uh, but the, the ending of that story, which was in the book was, was the large task she had me, um, she wanted me to take off all my clothes and run down the driveway naked. And I was horrified. Um, but there was this struggle between do I do like I'm caught. I either have to have my mom know what I did, or I have to do this. And I ended up, um, you know, falling into that trap and, and, and doing the, the task that she required. And it was, you know, humiliating and it didn't solve anything. And, and I was caught. Um, and my dad saw us and told her to go home and I had to go inside and I just wept and cried and cried. And so I think what you were saying is there's, there is a beautiful difference between how she responded. And then when I confessed to my mom, I cut your curlers, like, I'm sorry. And she just bent down and like, you know, kind of scooped me up and, and said, Oh, you're worth far more um, than, you know, some curlers or anything else. And so, yes, the difference in their responses were, were huge. Well, and I feel like the curlers are such a metaphor for this sin in our lives. I mean, it is, they are, um, and, and all the way up to your mom's response, you know, like the us coming, us trying to bury the sin, us trying to, uh, you know, and not to say that your friend was parallel to Satan, but in the metaphor, you know, the, the one who blackmails us, the one who makes us feel isolated and bound and, and enslaved is the enemy. And that's what happens when we don't confess to, to God. And, um, but that, that response, you're worth far more than those curlers. I mean, no matter what cost of sin, uh, no matter what level of sin, you know, we have in our minds that the sin is, um, you know, God, God values us way more than any sin that we could do and, and won't ever hold it against us when we ask for forgiveness. And I just, it's so beautiful. That picture is so beautiful, but do you think, I'm just curious, do you think that your view of God and your view of confession and forgiveness and salvation would have been damaged if you had not had parents that modeled that for you? Yeah. So I, I think that it could have been very much. I think that there's a lot of people who don't have parents who, who model that type of, um, of forgiveness and acceptance. And therefore there's a, there's a fear of confession. Mm-hmm. Um, so since I didn't go through that and actually experience it, I can't say for sure that it would, that it would have been damaging um, because I also know that through my story, I did have a different view of God than my father. Even though my father was loving, um, I did see God as as bigger and more pure and more powerful and more loving, you know, even though I had a really loving, caring father. So um, 
that's that's a great um yeah just just example of how people respond to when you confess can be very different than the way God responds. Right. Even the, even the most, because not everyone, you know, even your very same parents might not respond to every offense in that same way and probably didn't over, you know, there were probably times when they were really angry and yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, But I think that's important. I just wonder what would you say to someone who is trapped in either chronic sin or has sinned and, and is ashamed and is unconfessed sin, um, who's feeling condemnation, who's feeling unworthy to approach God's throne and ask for forgiveness because she feels like something she's done is beyond his grace. Yeah. So I think when we talk about feeling, cause I've been there <laughs> and, and have felt that deeply. And so when you talk to a, a girl or even thinking about myself during that time period, you're starting with the circumstance or the girl, right? And we can't actually get a right view of God when we start with people and circumstances. Mm-hmm. We have to start with God and a correct view of God, and then we can filter it through. And so for the girl who's actually feeling that weight and that maybe even condemnation or um, unworthiness is a good word, is we can't start with her. We have to point her towards who God is. And so if you start with, man, you have this loving, faithful um, protector God who loved you so much that he was willing to send his son. So when you start with that God, then you can pull in, no one is worthy. No one is righteous. No one is good enough. And you can get a correct view of where you stand when you confess is, man, I'm not good enough, but Christ is. And if he'll stand in my place, then I know I can run to you. And I think that's what, that's what those girls need. They need to know, like, this is the God you're running to. Oh, that is so good. And I think it's, it's rooted in that, um, idea, false idea that somehow, I, in my sin, am less than someone who looks good on the surface that couldn't possibly have been where I've been, or, you know, that somehow that person who, who looks like they haven't done certain things, um, somehow they're in better standing with God. It's, it's kind of just needing an under basic understanding of the gospel. That is, that's really so true that, that we can't work our way to his favor, that he loves us because he loves us. I think that's really important. Well, in, in the book, you talk about your, your first high school dance and you describe what I thought was just a really good picture, just a really accurate picture of spiritual attack taking place. And I was really, I thought, wow, that was perceptive of you to know at that time that there was some kind of, it wasn't just that you were having a bad day there was actual targeted attack taking place. So I just wondered if you could kind of tell us a little bit about that situation and how do we know, or can we know? I mean, sometimes maybe we can't, but how do we know that there's a good chance that what we're experiencing isn't just a bad day, isn't just a series of unfortunate events, but, but that we are in the middle of a spiritual attack on, on, on our, on, on ourselves in a specific way. Yeah, that's good. I I think specifically on my story, when I was talking about the high school dance, you know, it was a lot of, um, I think the beginning actually of the dance was just a bad day. Like, in yeah. fact, I would say that the kids saying things that are, are mean at times are just part of having a bad day. I don't mm-hmm. think that that's necessarily a spiritual attack. I think the problem is with the whispers in the ear that, um, you know, the, the evil one wants to get you to believe like that's been his MO from the beginning, right? Eve, he wants, he wants Eve to doubt God's goodness and doubt God's plan. And so when I heard like, you're not good enough, you're overweight, you're too this, you're too that. Um, and it really attacked my physical and, um, 
yeah, I felt like it was, it was a, it was a bad day. It was a bad day. But what happened after that was the, the whispers of God did this wrong and he didn't make you right. And so that's the whispers that if I claim those as my own, then I've, I've taken it and I've made it mine. And now I'm walking in the sin, just like Eve taking the apple. Um, So I think there's a difference that people need to recognize between someone cutting you off in traffic and, and, you know, different things like that and having a bad day. And then what comes in after that, that's really this, the spiritual attack. That is such a good distinction. I, I really love that because, you know, you could start being superstitious about it and thinking, oh, the fact that I had three red lights in a row <laughs> and that, you know, so-and-so cut me off, you know, Satan, Satan's taking over that red light or, you know, Satan, Satan's taking over this person and making them cut me off. You know, you can over possibly spiritualize those kinds of things, but Satan is an opportunist. He's a liar. He's a twister of truth. And I think that is a great distinction that there were just some things that happened, but the result in your mind, the whispers, the attacks on God's truth, which is exactly what Satan did when he tempted Jesus. He, he twisted truth and he attacked God's goodness. Um, that those are the things that, that are the real attack. That's really good. Um, so after that dance, like as you were kind of in the, in the midst of this, this kind of spiritual battle, um, you described a first fight with God. And I, I love that. Or maybe that was actually a different time. I think it might've been a different time, uh, that, that had to do with the person that you were dating at the time, but whatever it was, you talk about this first fight with God. And I thought that is really important. So how, can you talk about, do you remember the time I'm talking about? Cause I think yeah. I got it. it. Okay, good. Um, can you talk about that and how God answered you in that moment through, through scripture? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was actually, it wasn't right after the dance, but it was a few weeks after that, just where I was feeling wrestling with God. Do you know what you're doing? Why mm-hmm. did you create me this way? Why are things so hard? Um, and I felt like after I, 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 I remember crying and maybe, or maybe not yelling, but definitely like, why, why? Like, I don't want to be this way. I don't, I don't want to struggle. I I think this is too easy for these people and it's not easy for me. Um, and so I did, even in my very, um, I would say immature, Uh, Christian faith, I just opened the Bible and, and pretty close to the middle is Job. And I, and I happened to be, and I say happened to be, I think it was very much God's divine um, providence that opened the Bible right to the end of Job. And at the end of Job, God is questioning Job after all of his hardship and saying, where were you when Mm -hmm. I created the foundations of the earth? And, um, And I just remember thinking, man, God is bigger. God is way bigger than I am. And so even though I don't know all the answers and I don't really like um, that I don't know, I feel like I can trust him because he's bigger. He's more loving. He's more, you know, he's more. I just remember feeling this. He's more than I can imagine. And I can't create heaven and earth. So there was a trust that that came out of that of just trusting who God is and who he says he is. And I love that. I love how he met you right where you were. And I've had times like that where I've just been at the end of myself and I've needed a word from God and I've opened the Bible and it's been exactly what I needed to hear. There have been other times when I've been desperate and I've opened the Bible and there's nothing, there's nothing that stands out to me. So I think, you know, it's important for people to know God speaks when he wants to speak and how he wants to speak. And it's individually unique for your situation. So not to be frustrated if you've had a moment where you've opened your Bible like that and there's been nothing applicable. Um, but there are those times, there are those times where God is just like, 
you read something and it's like, it's, it's like a neon sign lights up. It's like, this is, he's talking, he's talking to me. And I just, uh, I love those times when he does that, but especially that, you know, meeting you with, I'm bigger than your disappointments. I'm bigger than your heartbreaks and heartaches. Um, how important do you think it is? Because I think some people might be afraid to maybe think it's blasphemous to yell at God or to be angry with God or to cry out to him or express disappointment. How important do you think it is to be authentic with God about our disappointments and about our heartbreaks and, and the things that, um, that, that pain us or even make us angry with him or even question him or question that he's even there? Yeah. So I would say I definitely didn't learn this um, in my in my early days, but I have learned it now in the fact that David is our best example of crying out to the Lord and, and saying all kinds of reasons why he's angry with the Lord or where are you, God, and my enemies surround me. And um, so he's he's a great example of just telling the Lord what I learned actually in the last year about David and those Psalms is that um, David doesn't tell God what the solution is. Hmm. And I think, man, I think I do that far more times where I say, look, my enemies are surrounding me and now you need to change this, change this, change this. And that would solve the problem. Yeah. This is the perfect opportunity for you to do X, Y, or Z God. Come on. Yes. <laughs> yes. I've got it. I've got it figured out. You just need to take care of this and we'd solve that problem. And it's so, yeah, it's really funny that I'm trying to learn more to actually be that authenticness. And we're not going to, it's not like we're going to keep something from the Lord. Um, when you are angry or mad, we're going to go ahead and say it and, and say it out loud. Sometimes it's so helpful to say, I'm mad yeah. at you and I'm mad at what's happening and I'm hurting right now. Um, and I have actually found is sometimes when I'm upset, a, you know, a friend's son has cancer and I've pleaded and pleaded and pleaded. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know what? Sometimes I feel like he meets me more when I say it out loud and I'm crying and, and talking to him than when I try to keep it all internal. Yeah. Like, man, he shows up and, and maybe he doesn't solve the problem, but the peace he gives is, is really phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I have this image kind of, of, you know, there are different things that can build up walls between us and, and God's breakthrough. I mean, obviously we have the Holy spirit living in us, so we can't move. If we are a Christian, we cannot remove ourselves from the Holy spirit, but I think we can build up walls and, and some of the things that can do that. It's like that sin and unconfessed sin, I think can build up walls of isolation. I think anger and disappointment in our prayers, not being answered or just disappointments in general about things that happen. I think those can build walls too when they're not let out. And I think Satan can use that to, I don't know, there, there are two ways you can go with disappointment. You can run from God and doubt him and, and deny him, or you can run into him and, and press into him with those disappointments. And, and like you said, when that happens, every time that I've done that, he has met me and, and I have experienced healing and whether the situation changes or not, I've experienced some degree of restoration and, and connection with him. And I think, you know, there, there are all kinds of ways that, that we can build up walls. I think that's one of the many. Um, I, another story from your book that I loved prayer story was when there was this time that God was prompting you to move to a different college And there were multiple hurdles in place. And you were just like, God, I think this is from you. I think you can make it happen, but I don't know how. And your mother had advice for you. So can you talk about that time in your life and kind of those insurmountable circumstances and kind of how your mom steered you and what her advice was? 
Yeah, I, I think I really saw it as, um, like you said, insurmountable. I, I just didn't see a way for, for the move to happen. Mm-hmm. There were, I felt like too many things blocking the path. And so my mom said, Leanne, pray, write them down. Just write down the things, pray, God, I pray that this will happen. I pray that you will make um, this door open, you know, those type of things. And there were six. And so I wrote them down and I started to pray, but I'll be honest, like there's times that I pray and I think, yes, I've got my red umbrella and I know that God's going to answer this. And then there's times that I pray and I know at the beginning of that, I thought, good luck, God, (laughs) (laughs) Good luck with these because <laughs> this is crazy. Um, and so really what I learned in that in, the, in my college years is that writing them down, um, you got to see like when God answered the first one, I really believe faith begets faith. Yes. Begets faith. And so it's this secular motion. So each time God would answer one, my faith would build And I would pray for the next thing. And then God answered the next one and my faith would build. And I would think, oh my gosh, this is happening. Um, And so it was really, and you know, even, I don't want to give it all away, but even at the end when I I did pray for just a summer job, as you know, in the book, like it was more, it was more than just a summer job. Yeah. Wasn't just a summer job. So (laughs) just really. Yeah, really beautiful um, how he answered those. It is. I just, I saw a lot of myself in my college years in some of those experiences that you had of just, that was when I discovered the power of writing my prayers down because there were prayers that I would write down and, and some of them were so big that I obviously knew if or when they were answered, but some of them, I would write them down and then I'd kind of just be reviewing my journal and I'd look and I'd say, oh my goodness, I forgot. I prayed for that. And God gave me this, you know, it was just amazing. Um, and there was one time in particular where I had three or four prayers that were similar to what you're talking about. It's basically prayers that would change the trajectory of my life. And I didn't see a way that they could happen. And I actually wrote those prayers. I had read, I had read a book by, I don't remember, maybe Campus Crusade for Christ at the time I wrote and they had a thing that said, you know, their address and and I don't know if they said write us or something. It was before email and Internet. And I, I wrote a letter to them and I said, please pray for these things. They wrote me a letter back. And it said at at our staff meeting today, we prayed for and they enumerated the things that I had written and I put that letter away. And and I, you know, years later was cleaning out my bedroom to leave. Mm. And I was married at the time and I found that letter and I looked and every single one of those prayers had been answered specifically. It was so neat. And it is so faith building because even now when I have times that are dry, you know, my relationship with God feels like I'm not hearing from him. I'm not seeing God work in powerful ways. Those are the Ebenezer's. Those are the things I can look back on and think he's real. He's, he's been in my life. He answers prayer. And even when the times of doubt come, I know that that is possible. And I long for that time. And that spurs me on to want to spend more time with him and maybe write those prayers down, get back to journaling more so that I can see, because I know the prayers are being answered, but journaling and writing them down helps to kind of see that and in on print. (laughs) Yes, for sure. For sure. So you, it, in the book, I mean, praying for that man, that is, that is the theme of the book. And so can you tell us about the list, the, cool. the praying for that man, the list that you had and just kind of talk about what are, what are the pros and cons of writing down a list with the qualities that you want in a man? Yeah. So I did start that list when I was quite young, um, but I, I also will tell you, I continued it into, um, into even my college years of praying through it and praying about it. And I did write down things from, um, yes, number one, I wanted a, a, a man who loved Jesus. And so, you know, you want to be equally yoked. 
um, when you're praying for your that man. But also I would write down just everything, like things that I thought about. I would say, I'm, I'm funny. I tell jokes. I want him to laugh at my jokes. You know, like that's kind of silly. But at the same time, I thought, why not? I'm just going to write it all down. Mm-hmm. And so I did the thing, <clears throat> excuse me, pros and cons. I think the pro is that you can prioritize, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I need, because sometimes you can have a guy come into your life and check all these boxes and he's, you know, from your hometown or he's, uh, you know, a doctor because you wanted to marry a doctor. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just making things up, but um, he can check off a bunch of of boxes, but he doesn't, he's not saved. He's not a believer. Mm -hmm. And you've got to have some that you hold with a, you know, a tight fist and some that you hold with an open hand. And so the pros are prioritizing, like he has to love Jesus. You know, I I would love if he was involved in his church. You know, we, we need to be on the same page about children. Um, You know, you might, that might be your top three and that's what you hold tight in your hand. Mm -hmm. Um, but the others, I think it's okay to write down. It's just the, the cons of it is you can't get focused on the, whether he has brown hair or blonde hair, you know, those you have to let go or, um, so that's, that's all I would say about the list is it's okay to write it down. You just have to know when to hold on and when to let go. I think that's important. And even when it came to your own husband, when, you know, there were some things that were not on your list that actually went against some things that were on your list and, you know, you were just, but you went to God with it. That's what I loved is you did hold it with open hands. You did recognize that God's story for you, you know, if you could write the story, you'd write in all these things, but God's story for you is better. And yeah. And I can see that in my own marriage too, like just the way that it came about and, you know, the preconceived notions I had about someone else that I was actually engaged to and thought I was going to marry. Um, that was very different from the person I ended up marrying, but I see God's just divine hand. And, but if, if we don't hold that, you know, with open hands, the details, not, not the non-negotiables like being equally yoked and, you know, the things that, uh, that, that are biblical. Um, but if, you know, that we, we might miss God's better plan than the one that we would write for ourselves. Yeah, Yeah, sure. So your story, I just, I love your story is like, like a fairy tale, really, especially the end. So anyone out there, you need to read the book and you need to read it all the way to the end. Cause I was crying. I mean, I was tearing up just, I, yeah, it was, it was really good. Um, what, but what would you say to the woman who is already married and isn't living the fairy tale? Um, maybe she's even wondering if she married the right person. Uh, what would, what would you say to her if, because what I see is there's so much hope in this story and I want my own daughter to read this story because I feel like it's such a great example for young women for how to walk it, redemption, hope, trust in God, growing in, in your relationship with the Lord and, and ultimately waiting on his plan and, and being open to his story. Um, but then on the other hand, there's there might be people listening. They're already married. They feel like maybe they missed out on the fairy tale and, Mm. and wondering if, if they're in the right place, what would you say to that woman? Yeah. So I love that you got out of the book that um, there's hope there because I think that's who we serve a God of hope. Um, But I, I think one of the things about, um, our culture is that we can get wrapped up in the fairy tale wedding and fairy tale marriage mm-hmm. idea. And I don't necessarily think that, well, one, I don't think God is into cookie cutter stories. Right. I also don't believe that God cares as much about, I shouldn't say cares as much, but that you having a, um, this fairy tale love story is 
it's more important, I should say this, it's more important that you get your hope and your security and your, um, your worth out of Jesus Christ mm. and that relationship. Yeah. But I think along with that comes the hope for redemption in a poor marriage. Um, because if you're not looking for your husband to provide all those needs for you, um, you can be joyful and, and I don't know, have a, have a, a sweet spirit around your husband that is not um, causing more angst than there needs to be. And I know there's some ladies, one of my um, best friends actually has um, been divorced and, and is 46 years old and read the book. And she absolutely loved it. She said that it was perfect for her time in her life. And I said, that's funny because I wrote it more for teenage girls, but, but I'm so glad that you at, um, at 46 found so much life in it. And, and she just thought it was a very, um, it brought her to the point of saying, you know what, God is a trustworthy God and I'm going to trust him with my future. And I think that's, that's a huge part of, of any girl's story. I, I totally agree. And as a 44 year old woman who is married, I, I got so much out of it. Right. And, um, you know, this book isn't just for pre-married young women or young girls. It's, it really is. It's a story of faith and trust and growth. And no matter what, what your story is, no matter what point you're at, knowing that God is bigger than any circumstances. There's, there are many different examples throughout the book of circumstances that you were in that you were, that felt hopeless to you. And, and God showed up because you just kept kept saying, okay, you kept just going to him like, okay, what next God? And, and that was, you know, and your story is not over. I'm sure you have challenges, even as beautiful as your story is. No one's marriage is perfect. And so you just have to keep on trusting God in those same ways. And I just, um, I love that. So this, this book is not just for someone who's praying for that man. It's for anyone really. Um, what is one takeaway that you really hoped and hope that, that women or, or young girls will get when they read this story? What was your goal and your motive for getting this story out there? Yeah. So I really am, I'm such a strong believer in prayer that really throughout, and I, and I love that you, you saw that, that, that the thread throughout my book is, is prayer. Like that's part of the cover is the expectant prayer, the girl with the red umbrella. And so that's my um, one takeaway for girls is I want them to believe in prayer and the God that they're praying to, that he hears them and sees them and will answer them. And the only thing that I want them to know about the answer is that sometimes the answer is no, which is also in my book, you know, when sometimes I got the no answer, there's just a better yes that that comes later and sometimes much later, but still comes, comes later. Yeah. Well, what would you say is the biggest struggle in your personal prayer life? What is the like kind of the prayer block or the struggle that you deal with most? So <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind is my grocery list. Like, <laughs> My biggest um, struggle sometimes is being a mom of four. Um, I'm constantly scheduling and I'm constantly thinking about food and groceries and what's next. And so I sometimes start praying and immediately think um, grapes, pickles, bread. (laughs) (laughs) So Yes, there is, a, which is why I like the garage because I'm out of the house and I can't at least see what we're yes. missing and think about um, as much. But yeah, I think the distraction is just part of, you know, being in this world and um, being a mom or, I mean, if young girls are listening, you know, their schedules are busy too. Just everything that comes into our minds is a distraction. Yes. Yeah, I can relate. <laughs> 
What do you love most about prayer? You know, what I have grown over the years that I love praying now is um, I love praying scripture back mm-hmm. to God. Mm-hmm. And so that is my, uh, that is my heart. Now I have a whole, um, I actually have my little, like, here's all my note cards. Um, and so I love taking it and praying it back to God. For example, um, when I'm praying, I was praying for a friend who was, um, a younger friend who was going to deliver a baby and, you know, soon. And I was praying Philippians four, four through seven over her. And, and I was saying, okay, Lord, I do not want her in scripture. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But then I was like, Lord, but we can't cast off anxiety on our own. But right after that, you tell us what to do. And so what you say to do is to pray, you know, with our prayer and petition with Thanksgiving. And so I would say, thank you, God, that you've got my friend. Thank you, God, that you love her and this baby more than I do. Mm-hmm. And so I would go through. And so here's my petition. My petition is that she would have a healthy, um, easy delivery. And that's not always the case, but that's what I'm going to, that's my petition. And I'm going to thank you that you've got it. And then what I pray back to God at the end, because it's right after that in scripture is that the peace of God mm. will then be given. And so I'll say, God, you said you would give peace. So now it's your job. I told you now it's your job. <laughs> to yeah. give me peace. Um, so anyway, that's how, that's what I love about praying. I love praying scripture back to the Lord because sometimes scripture is more bold than I would be. I wouldn't say now, God, you give me peace. Oh, but wait, your scripture says that you will. So I'm going to ask for it. Oh, I love that. That's that scripture is more bold than we would be on our own. And I find that too. I find that sometimes when I'm, when I'm praying or just even thinking about different situations, um, that, that scripture really does give you that boldness to it's a rock, the solid rock to stand on, you know, when everything else is sinking sand, you've got this rock to stand on. And it's like, no, that is true. God said that. So it's okay for me to say it too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. That's great. Well, how can our listeners find your book and connect with you online and on social media? Yeah. So my book is on Amazon if you, and it's also on audible now. So if you go to either one of their websites um, you can just type into the search bar praying for that man and it will pull up. I actually, yeah, I actually listened to this book on audible. I got, uh, I got it on audible and I love your narrator and just, it was very well done. I loved it. Thank you. Yeah, she did an amazing job. Um, that was Cassie uh, Holloway. She did an amazing job reading the book. And then if you want to find me, you can find me on, I'm on Instagram at, at Leanne Roselle. And I'm also on Facebook. Um, Leanne Roselle author, author is my author page. So mm-hmm. either one of those, you can um, look me up and um chat if you read the book and say why did you write this part or I've got a question about how you handled this so that's it that's how to connect with me all right well we're gonna close in prayer how can we pray for you today yeah so I think right now just because it's summertime um I would love for you to pray um well, let's do this. I would love for you to pray Matthew five sixteen over me, where it says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Um, I think, so the first part is the um, busyness of summertime, but the second part is that while I'm busy, um, I want my light to shine so that others would mm-hmm. glorify God and not glorify me, but that I'd be a reflection. Um, so that would be my prayer. All right. Well, we will do it. Let's close in prayer. Thank you so much for being here, Leanne. This was really fun. And thanks for, thanks for sharing your story in this book and just the, the powerful example that, that you are 
you know, just through sharing your story for young women and older women, I'm I'm not older, older, but you know, middle, middle middle-aged women. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But no, thank you for, for sharing. Cause it really was, um, an inspiration just for our prayer lives, for our just trusting God with everything. So thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, let's pray. God, we just come before you very thankful and grateful for the gift of prayer. Thank you so much that you allow us to, I want to say, invite you into our lives, but it's not even that. I thank you so much for being the, the author of our story that that we're just able to acknowledge that and walk in the paths that you've made straight for us, God. And, and we just continue to pray that you would open our eyes to the lies of the enemy, that we would be able to see truth, that we would just silence any lies that tell us that you are withholding good things from us, that you are not in control, that you do not hear our prayers. God, we just pray that we would stand on the truths that you love us that you are authoring our story and that even the parts that look ugly or look mean and and look like things that we would not write for ourselves or want, want anyone to be going through um, that you are in it. And and we acknowledge you as a sovereign God, as a good God, as an all powerful God. And we just pray that you would help us to just transform our hearts, help our, our prayers to align with your will help our hearts and our desires to align with your desires um, and just give us um, just a trust in you, just an ever-growing trust. Like Leanne said, that, that, that faith and answered prayer beget faith and, and that you would help us to experience that um, to a greater measure in our lives as we see you working and answering. We lift up Leanne to you, God, and just pray that you would rain down your blessings on her and on her family. We pray your blessing on her marriage, God. We thank you for their story and just pray that you would continue to protect them, to set them apart, to use them, to grow them closer together as they grow closer to you and that you would just um, just set them apart for the ministries and, and the works that you have for them to do. And uh, we pray for her children and you would just pour out your blessings on their family. God, we just pray for this book, that it would go out, that it would reach so many women for your kingdom, for your glory, that it would open eyes, that it would, it would uh, bring hope, that it would bring healing, that it would bring restored relationships uh, back to you for, for young women and girls who, um, or anyone who, who might be struggling in their relationship with you. God, we pray that it would bring salvations, that it would bring um, people into your kingdom who otherwise would not be there. We just thank you for the written word and just for the ways that you have anointed Leanne in writing this and getting this out. And just pray that your purposes would ha- would be accomplished. And God, we pray, Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that may- they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. God, we pray that over Leanne. We know that that our light can shine no matter how busy things get. It can shine in the grocery store. It can shine in the doctor's office. It can shine uh, while we're standing at the sink doing dishes. Um, You can make that happen no matter what things we have in front of us, big or small, that you would be glorified in her life, that there would be Christ in her that would just be displayed in a way that people would know without even her saying a word that, that she's been with you, God, that she is yours and that they would be drawn to that and that they would want that. And we pray the same thing over her entire family in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the praying Christian women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.